in Ephesians 6, when Paul wrote, he said, above all. He, he mentions all the armor of God, which obviously would be important. But then he goes, above all, taking up the shield of faith to extinguish all. Everyone say all. All the fiery darts of the enemy. I tell you why that's such an important verse. Listen to me. Because no matter what the enemy throws at you, doesn't matter what it is, you lift that shield of faith, all the fiery darts are extinguished. Amen. That's good news. And we've got now week four, and we're going to go six weeks in this particular area. But uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about our fourth lesson in how to face the enemy and win every time. I've entitled it, Protected by the Blood. Protected by the Blood. Now, um, as a pastor, I'm called upon from time to time to uh, enter into people's lives at different moments. In fact, uh, I've often said I have sort of an unusual life. I, I, I get to be with people at sometimes their most uh, exhilarating, joyous moments. I get to celebrate with couples at weddings and, and other functions that are wonderful moments that uh, people celebrate. And I, I get to be right in the middle of it, and that's a real privilege, and that's an honor for a pastor to do. Uh, at the same time, there are moments that I'm invited to move into uh, difficult, tragic, tough moments in people's lives. And so I've had to go to hospitals uh, before. I've had to go to uh, automobile wreck sites and other events that were traumatic and uh, incredibly, incredibly bad. I've seen people at, at just seconds after an accident where they've been incredibly scarred and, and broken bones. And, and I won't even go into all the stories that, that I've seen. But whenever I go into those sort of traumatic events and whenever... It's of trauma of such a sort that blood is shed. I, I want you to know that I, I do pretty good. I've been in the hospital when, when people were bleeding. And, and if somebody else is bleeding or it's somebody else's blood, I do pretty well with that. The problem is when it comes to mine. Whenever it's my blood, I don't, I don't do so well. And so if it's a Red Cross donation and they're wanting to take blood from me, Man, you got you to put one of those cat collars on me. I mean, I'm telling I'm, I cannot look at what's going on lest, lest I faint or I pass out. I'm not joking. I get woozy. One night, some years ago, I was, I was slicing a watermelon for the family. And as I was, you know, you know how you slice a watermelon? You get a big knife and you got to put a little into the watermelon to get it to, to cut. And I'd gotten my thumb somehow in that, probably holding, trying to hold the watermelon straight. And I... I hit that knife and I popped it down really hard and it took a chunk out of my thumb. I, I, I mean, not, I mean it, it's not like it, you know, cut my thumb off or anything, but it took, it took a pretty good little slice in my, out of my thumb and, and it started to bleed. And I started to walk and I'm really not proud to have to tell this story, but I was, I was walking and it was bleeding and as I was walking and bleeding and trying to get a Kleenex or a towel or something, man... I turned flush and I got tingly all over and I went down to I went down to one knee and started hanging over the ottoman right there because my finger was bleeding. That's sad, isn't it? You can be glad that I'm not your savior. I'll tell you that much right now. Ooh. 
and, and gratefully, we had a doctor friend that was able to come over and help me out. And I didn't actually pass out, but that was probably as close as I had been for some time. But it's the truth. I don't like to look at blood. But blood is critical. It, it is both critically naturally and spiritually. The Bible tells us that Jesus willingly... Please understand the gospel story. I was visiting the other day with a neighbor and, and we were just talking about the gospel and what went on around the gospel and, and a comment was made with regards to people taking Jesus' life. I want to be clear, no man took Jesus' life. That's what the scripture says. Jesus himself said, no man takes my life. He said, I lay down my life. His blood wasn't taken from him. He willingly shed his blood. He gave it to us. Nobody came and grabbed it from him. And he did that in order that we might be benefited some way, somehow, from that sacrifice. The blood is important. The blood is an important part of even Christian doctrine. And, and, and what we would need to have as revelation as individual Christians. And so this morning... I want to talk just a little bit about the blood. We could spend literally weeks on it, but I just only have a few moments this morning, and if you have your Bibles, turn back to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. And I always say this, there is no S on the end of Revelation. That's one of my pet peeves, all right? I hear people say Revelations, and I go, Ugh, no. there's only one, Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It's interesting if, if I gave you the context, because whenever you read the Revelation, there's all this imagery, all these pictures. There's all sorts of ways that people have interpreted it and tried to bring understanding to it. And I'm just going to be real simple this morning. I'm not going to dig around and try to make all these sort of uh, apocalyptic or uh, uh, eschatological uh, interpretations. I'm just going to be real simple with what's going on in chapter 12 of the Revelation. If we were to kind of move up to verse 7, it says that there was war in heaven. I, I take great solace in that fact. <laughs> if there's war going on in heaven, then there'll probably be war from time to time in my life. And war broke out, it says, in heaven. And it says that Michael's there, and he's got his angels, and he's fighting with the dragon. And that dragon is symbolism, obviously, for the enemy. In verse 8, it says that the enemy and his army did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So it says that that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And verse 11 is the verse that you can underline, circle. It's the one we're going to zero in on. I've quoted it many of an occasion. And you need to make sure you get it in your system. And they overcame him, meaning the enemy. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Now, in these verses, 
our text indicates to us that there's this warfare, this spiritual warfare that's going on. And I mentioned to you all of the players that are in this particular war. But the Bible tells us that the key to overcoming the enemy when he was cast out, actually cast out of heaven and, and thrown into the earth was found in three items. And I can only deal with one of those items this morning. And it's the one I want to zero in on. It's called the blood. The blood. Now, I did a short study just getting ready for this morning on the function of blood in our biological system. Now, I know there are people here in the congregation, there are members and attenders that are healthcare providers and they've gone to school and studied biology. And I'm sure if, if we handed it over to them and they started talking about the, the place blood works within our biological system, there could be a thousand more insights than the ones I'm going to give you this morning. But I just want to share a couple of things just to, just to remind you or, or, or at least tell you if you didn't know. Blood basically does everything the body needs for it to survive and be healthy. It's the blood that processes the nutrients that come out of the digestive system from the food you eat. And it puts it into the elements, the vitamins, the mineral, uh, minerals that are vital to sustain your life and take it to all parts of your body. If there's excremental waste materials, the blood is the conduit through which those materials are taken to the proper place of elimination, lest you become contaminated and you become diseased. In fact, anything that restricts the flow of blood will ultimately restrict your quality of life. We know that just with regards to the little bit most of us know about our hearts. If the arteries clog or they begin to harden, even in this particular area of the body up here, what's that called again, honey? The, car the carotid artery. All right, now, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. If that stuff gets, you know, bound up and if that stuff gets jammed up, you can potentially die from that. There's an intelligence, I'm told, to the blood. It knows the right amounts, the right locations to send each specific nutrient. Wrong food never goes to the wrong cell. And there are billions of cells in your body that are receiving exactly what they need from the blood that is circulating through your system. Is that not remarkable just to ponder that for just a moment? To think about how just through your system right now, there are literally a billion things that are happening that are just keeping you up and going at this very moment. And to think all that came from a little toad in a pond. I've got some land for you, if you really believe that. It's in charge of sending oxygen to the right places. The blood controls the temperature of the body. It keeps us at 98.6 degrees at all times. However, as remarkable as the blood is in our human body and how we could spend so much time talking about the analogies and they would instantly form these spiritual connections for you, it is even more remarkable, the blood of Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So there are all of these analogies that can be made and taught about the blood of Jesus. In fact, uh, years ago when I taught at Bible college, 
Um, there was a whole semester's class that dealt with nothing but the blood. So you can begin to imagine that to spend the next 30 minutes or so talking about the blood, we're not going to exhaust all that God has for us in that revelation. But I do want to zero in on the one aspect that's important to us today, and that is that the blood of Jesus Christ is our defense. It is our shield. It is a protector against anything the enemy throws our direction. Now, even though I know very little about biology, I do know that if I have a fever or if one of my children has a fever, it indicates that there are elements in your blood that are fighting whatever the virus is that's attacking your system. If there's a bacteria that begins to attack your system or a disease that wants to harm you, the blood instantly kicks into a mode that begins to fight that bacteria or that disease and your body literally heats up in a fever in order to fight those elements that are going on in your body. That is an indicator in your natural body that there's this fight going on with regards to the virus. Now when it comes to the enemy and he begins to attack you, his power would overwhelm you unless there was something that could be transfused into your system to heal you, to empower you, and to fight against the very thing he's wanting to put upon you. It's called the blood. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I, I just ran across this example. Years ago, before serums were developed to uh, combat snake bites, they were doing a study trying to figure out what serum could be developed in order to combat the deadly cobra bite. And so, I believe it was in India that they began to do this study and they found that uh, as lethal as the cobra bite was, that there was a certain Belgium horse that if the cobra bit the horse, the horse wouldn't die. It wasn't lethal to this particular horse. And what they found out was that, that when the snake struck the horse and the venom went into his blood system, he had the, the right antibodies and the right things within his blood in order to combat that particular uh, uh, snake bite, that poison, and he was protected. His blood literally protected him from that lethal snake bite. And so what happened was that they were able to uh, let the snake bite the horse. Uh, the blood would move into a, a reaction to defend against that particular poison. They could withdraw the blood from the horse, and because of that, they were able to create a serum for human beings in order that now, if the cobra bites and you're able to get to a hospital in time, that that's no longer a lethal snake bite. That they have a serum that they can now put into your blood system that will save your life with regards to that particular snake bite. Well, that is a great analogy because how many of you know Satan, that old serpent, that old snake, had a lethal bite? Now listen to me. And truth of the matter is, is that if he bites, he kills. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His whole plan is to ruin what God has created and what God's heart is in the earth. He wants to destroy it. He wants to make a mess of it. He wants to kill and he wants to drag down. I, we, we say this all the time. Satan isn't out to give you a bad day. He's out to kill you. It may start with just a simple harassment, a simple irritation. But ultimately, whatever he's trying to do is to bring destruction to your life. There's nothing good about his plan. There's nothing good toying around with him. When he bites, his bite is lethal. In fact, through the years, 
You and I have watched as, as his schemes and his tactics have bit people. And we've watched their lives literally be destroyed before our very lives. And, and humanity experienced this for years and years. And they cried out to God and they said, God, is there not an answer? Is there not an antidote? Is there not a, a serum that you can give us in order to combat this deadly bite of, of the serpent Satan? And the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, sent his son, Jesus Christ. A lot like that Belgium horse. And Satan bit the sun. But there was something in the sun's blood that was immune to the poison of the enemy. And though the serpent bit him, he didn't die. And now when we receive the sun, there is a transfusion that takes place into our life. There's an immunity that we've been given through the sun. It's not our own immunity. It's through the sun. And, and it's the blood transfusion. And he shed his blood in order that we might receive that sacrifice. And now if the enemy bites us, there's a defense. We don't have to die. Isn't that good news? Man, that's good news. You don't have to die. Now, you've got to understand, how does all this work? I mean, I mean you can make the connections, but... Pastor, tell me how all of this works. Well, the most simple and really the most succinct way I can explain this to you is, is by telling you spiritually, the blood speaks. Now, you may not get that, but bear with me. In the book of Genesis, go back to the book of Genesis, which I have often called the book of God's original intent. If you want to know what God's original intent in the earth was, be a student of the book of Genesis, and you can begin to see what God's heart was in the beginning. And uh, that got messed up. Jesus came. He wants to restore, and God is in this restoration project. He's in this salvage project in order to, again, see his heart expressed through his people in the earth. And so we can see, though, God's original intent, intent in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 4, we find the story of, of the first family fight. Adam and Eve had children. Two of their children were Cain and Abel. And uh, Cain and Abel were given authority and given job assignments. The Bible tells us that Abel was a keeper of animals, the keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And the scripture tells us that they were taught to be godly and they functioned under covenant. And so they knew that they had to bring the fruit of their hands as a sacrifice unto the Lord, and they were doing this. And there was a day that, that Cain brought his sacrifice uh, from the ground, uh, the plants that he oversaw. And the Bible says that, that God had nothing to do with it. And then Abel brought a sacrifice from the sheep of his field, and the Lord received it. And even here we're beginning to see that, that God doesn't want... Can I just say that? I'll just say it right out loud. Sometimes we think, you know, giving God gifts and... All those things we just want to give. God's not looking for that kind of a sacrifice. He's looking for a sacrifice that he has designed according to his pattern. So Abel understood the pattern of the Lord. And so he brings blood, which is what God wants. And so he brings the blood of the lamb. The Lord receives it. And so Cain gets irritated. He gets mad, mad at his brother. And what happens is, is that that anger 
I guess, turns into a grudge. And the grudge turns into resentment. And resentment turns into this powerful rage. And rage suddenly turns into murder. And Cain arises and he murders his brother, Abel. And all of a sudden, God shows up in verse 9. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I don't know. I have no idea. Am I my brother's keeper? And then in verse 10 it says, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. There is a voice in the blood. The, the blood, I, I don't know how to explain it, but the blood can talk. The blood says something. Even to this day, scientists can look into blood and they can find DNA and make matches. And it says things that, that reveal mysteries to us. It says things that can, can help us understand what's going on a whole lot better. But spiritually, the blood speaks as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, it says that Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So the blood of Jesus speaks something. It has a voice. It says something. And what happens is, is that when his blood is, is shed and you receive that sacrifice and that atonement in your life, his blood speaks provision and his blood speaks power. You know, in the day and age we live in, it's almost a routine thing that if, if you don't know what's going on in your body and you're trying to figure out why it is you're sick or why something doesn't seem to be operating right it's almost routine procedure when you go to a physician that he'll send you somewhere to get a blood test i mean it seems like every time i go to the doctor for anything i'm going to get a blood test well why do you get a blood test it's because the blood speaks to them it says something to them spiritually it's the same way the blood says something to the enemy Every time the enemy sees the blood, the blood starts talking and it says, enemy, you're disarmed. Enemy, you're impotent. Enemy, you're not lethal here anymore. You have no right. The blood becomes our covering in times of attack and in times of onslaught. But the question is, if all that be true, how then is it applied? Because we can have all this knowledge, can't we? But if we don't understand how to how to take knowledge and make application in our life, it's just useless. You just become this walking encyclopedia, but there's nothing practical that happens in your life. All truth and all doctrine has, is only as good as its application. You can know, and, 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 and is this not true, you can know a lot of right stuff and still be defeated. <laughs> I mean, you can know lots of great stuff. I know people right now, I could take you to their homes. They've got shelves of teaching tapes. They've got shelves of DVDs and VHSs and teaching series. And I mean just literally shelves of, shelves of it. And, and, and they've listened to it all and consumed it all. And they're still living at the bottom of the barrel. You know why? It's because knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is where it starts, but then it's translated into action or application. For those of you that perhaps have not grown up all your life in church, or maybe you grew up in a mainline type denominational church, which is, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. Um, perhaps you didn't grow up in church. Uh, we grew up, Tracy mentioned it earlier, we grew up in, in what they called the holiness branch. And um, those of you that may have grown up in uh, Pentecostal circles may also be able to identify with this 
very quickly. But, uh, because, and it won't sound odd to us, but if it sounds odd to you, just, just hold on for just a minute. I can remember, Miss Louise, you probably remember, you remember, we'd go pray, and, and as you pray, we'd plead the blood. You remember that? Plead the blood. That was the phrase we used. Plead the blood. Oh God, we plead the blood. We'd plead the blood over our families. We'd plead the blood over our households. We'd plead the blood over someone we were praying and interceding for to get saved. We, we'd plead the blood in all sorts of ways and situations. And that was the phrase that we'd use, plead the blood. Anybody hear, ever hear that phrase besides a few of you have, plead the blood. Some of you may never have heard that. And, 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 and it came some, some through these circles. I sat with a minister friend. Now, this was a number of years ago. And we were at a lunch table. I think it was in Myrtle Beach. And, uh, you know, he had that same background, the Pentecostal holiness type background. And we were just uh, visiting. And, you know, sometimes we just chuckle at the silly things we did growing up, not knowing any better. And so we were kind of chuckling over some silly things that, that we'd done growing up in, in church. And, and, and all of a sudden, he said, you know, there's just something I, I don't get. I don't think it's right. And, and he kind of got serious for a moment. It, the, the, the conversation turned from being sort of lighthearted and, and, and just being good-natured, chuckling and laughter. It, it turned kind of serious for a moment. And he said, I don't understand this, this, this plead the blood stuff we grew up with. I said, really? I mean, what's, what's the deal? I guess I've never thought about it all that much. He said, you ever find that phrase in the Bible? Plead the blood, plead the blood. That's all I hear, everybody. Plead the blood. And, and it, was, it, it really irritated him, and, and I, it kind of surprised me how much it sort of got under his craw, this, this whole phrase. And his point kept going, where's that in the Bible? I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see it in the Bible at all. And he was, he was reacting to what he perceived as maybe some, some tradition or, or phrase that had no validity or some aspect of vocabulary that because of all the other things that he didn't like about his background, he was going to react to. And he just kept saying, where's that in the Bible, Kevin? Where's that in the Bible? And I finally said, you know, I don't know if it's in the Bible. But I also want you to know that you believe in a rapture and that word ain't in the Bible either. And you believe in a trinity and that word ain't in the Bible either. And I know you believe in being slain in the spirit and that phrase ain't in the Bible. But those concepts are very much in the Bible. Very much in the Bible. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I don't know where you're coming from or what you're doing or if you're just mad at the archaic sound, but this much I know, I know that whether you say plead the blood, whether you say apply the blood, whether you say appropriate the blood, for me, I need the blood. And I would just... Be careful about how far you go with your irritation concerning the blood. Because if you don't want to plead it, then how are you going to apply it? If you don't like the phrase, so be it. But you still got to get it in your situation. So how does that work? How, how does that happen? How does it spiritually get activated? Hey, go back to Exodus real quick. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. <clears throat> It's the Passover. Most of us know the general concept of the Passover. It was the last of the plagues that God would send upon the Egyptians in order to release the Jewish people from their captivity. It was the one that 
was declared as a curse upon the firstborn and that all the firstborn of the land would die. But God spoke and said, if you would put blood on the doorposts, I will pass over. And so that's where the whole Passover came from. And our Jewish neighbors to this day celebrate the Passover meal as they are reminded of the night that God freed them by doing this remarkable thing. And when he saw the blood on the doorposts of their house, he would pass over them. And it says here in Exodus 12, 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I'm the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When death was released upon the land, the only thing that could stop it was the blood. When this plague came in order to attack the land, the only thing that could cause God's people to avoid it was the blood. And the blood spoke. The blood said, not here, not here. You pass over this house. You pass over this family. You pass over those that are under this particular covering. It's the blood. And as soon as God saw the blood, he moved on. Now, how does that work under a new covenant? Well, I want you to remember what I said last week and what I mentioned briefly this morning already. The things of the kingdom are released and they're appropriated how? Out of your tongue, out of your confession, out of your mouth. I know to this day there might be, there might be reenactments of the Passover meal where, where blood once again is put upon doorposts and sprinkled there or rubbed there. It has wonderful imagery, a lot of things that we can receive from and make application of. But under a new covenant, we have a lamb that's been slain once before the foundation of the world. His blood is indestructible. It is perfect. It is precious. And the question is, how do I apply the blood of Jesus Christ? Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood speaks. His blood is effective for every assault. But just as the blood was applied to the doorposts of a house, his blood must be applied to the doorposts of your life the doorposts of your circumstances. So what we can begin to do is this. We can begin to pray and we can begin to make confession and begin to say, Lord, I apply the blood, the blood of Jesus, the precious blood, the powerful blood over the doorposts of my life and my household for protection. May, 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 may the enemy pass over. May he not be able to break through. May my family, my marriage... My, my, my belongings, my, my job, my career, my business, may all of this, Lord, be protected because we're under the covering of your blood. Can I suggest something to you? In a day of terrorism, when you're jumping on an airplane, isn't it good to know that you can walk up the ramp and get on your flight and say, Lord, cover the plane with the blood. I don't know how else you'd like to travel. I pray in the Spirit too. Amen. The blood. The blood can bring a tremendous amount of confidence. A tremendous amount of security. 
Hear me now. You can know all these things about the blood. My question isn't whether you know it, and it really isn't whether you believe it. My question is, at what point do you appropriate it, and do you apply it, and do you plead it? I plead the blood, the blood. And it's time for the body of Christ, I believe, to quit giving little self-help lessons and giving people the key, the real key and answer to their issues in the age in which we live. I'm not trying to get you a better life. I'm trying to get you to die so God can resurrect a new one. Amen. Why would I make your stinky life try to make it better? I'm wanting to get rid of it. If I took a bum, a stinky bum off the street, brought him in here and just put a new set of clothes on him, he might look a little better, maybe smell a little better, but he's still got a lot of stink in there. What we need is not new clothes on an old man, but what we need is a new man. And that's what the blood can do. It transforms and it changes us. God's not just trying to tweak the edges. He's rearranging the whole deal in order that you can be a, a new creature in Him. And that's the answer to the day we're living in. We're wanting the, the ten steps to tweak my life. No, you don't. You need one step to the cross. And that can change you just like that. It's Christianity 101. And many Christians rarely utter or think of Jesus' blood. We don't want to bring that part up anymore. It's kind of untidy when you're talking with people. Let's talk about something far more intellectual, far more receivable, far more likable. Well, we can, but it won't help you. The blood will change you. It will cleanse you. It will protect you. That's the only thing really we've got is the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet it seems like we rarely utter it. We don't talk about it as much probably as we ought to. But the Bible says that the blood, in Exodus 12, 24, he said when it comes to the blood, the blood will be an ordinance forever. An ordinance forever. And so this morning is my morning to pay homage and to give honor to the blood of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood that we might be cleansed. He shed his blood that we might be whole. He shed his blood that we might be healed. We, he shed his blood that I might have my right mind. He shed his blood that my life could be put into order. He shed his blood that I could be protected from the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. He shed his blood that I might overcome whatever gets thrown my way. He gave his blood in order that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. Not just now, but for all eternity. That's a good deal, isn't it? That's his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. And if you remove the cross and the blood from the equation of Christianity, we have lost the war. But here's the good news. And I was just on my laptop on the weekend. I just started, I just started typing. And as I started typing, it was like this breeze came into my kitchen. You remember this? There's power... Power, wonder-working power. You remember that? In the blood of the Lamb. You remember that song? How about this one? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains. Starting to feel the breeze again. 
What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Years ago, years ago, years ago, I couldn't have been 20 years old. It's a long time ago. Tracy will remember. <laughs> oh, we'd go to those little old churches out in western Kansas and western Iowa and Nebraska. Weren't many people there. Not, not really nearly even as many as are here this morning. And we'd sing and we'd preach and I'd never forget Trace would get up. Blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary's tree. Ever hear that song? The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power because it reaches to the highest mountain. Do you know that song? And it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day Today, it will never lose its power. And then she'd sing this one. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears. And it dries all my tears, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Come on, you can sing this. Because it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. You can sing that, you know it. Because it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its you're going to sing it one more time until it gets in your system because it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength 
From day to day, it will never lose its power. One more time, because it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose just sing that it will never it will never lose one more time it will never lose its power that's the blood that's the blood Hallelujah. Lord, this morning, this morning, let the blood that was, that was willingly shed over 2,000 years ago, Lord, may your Holy Spirit race back as that timeless, eternal person of the Godhead, may he rush back now, Lord, and and scoop the blood up from Calvary's cross. And would you, could you please come to October the 28th, Sunday morning, 2007, 1401 Sam Rittenberg Boulevard, Charleston, South Carolina, 29407. And could you release a fresh release of the blood's power? Lord, we, we, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. Lord, we are... We are defeated and we're gone and we're dismal without the blood. We plead your blood this day into our lives, over our hearts, the doorposts of our hearts, the doorposts of our relationships, marriages, families. Lord, let the blood, let the blood become a hedge. Let the blood speak this morning. Let it call out to those who need you. Let the blood speak to those who need you in salvation. Let the blood speak to those who need you in healing. Let the blood speak to those who need you for their deliverance. Lord, let the blood speak this morning with regards to protection. Lord, we plead the blood. How about right now, just as you're standing, why don't you begin to appropriate the blood into that area of life? Why don't you appropriate it right now? 
hey, if you don't know the Lord, start appropriating and say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And I've, I've been wayward and I've turned from you, but Lord, I, I repent. I changed my mind. I turned towards you. And Lord, your word says in 1 John 1, 9, that if I walk in the light as you are in the light, that your blood will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know we've gotten used to singing this one way, but call upon the blood of the Lord and be saved. Call upon the blood. That. Sing that. Call upon the blood. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Let's call upon the blood. Here's what I'm going to do right now. Listen. I'm going to give about three invitations here real quick. first invitation as we call upon the blood are for those that need to get that back on the doorposts of your life to reconcile yourself to God right now there's no other way except by receiving his great sacrifice to say Lord forgive me I want you, and He'll send the blood to cleanse your sins. Every time Jesus did this, He always did it in public. So we just give invitations in public. For Jesus said, if you'll confess me before the Father, I'll confess you. But if you'll deny me, you leave me no choice but to say I never knew you before the Father. It's really an easy thing. If you need to get life right with God, whether it's your first time or whether it's because you've been wayward and walked away, listen, God's calling you. 
The Father's calling you right now and He's saying, I sent my Son. He shed His blood. And He did it. If you would have been the only one, He would have done it. Call upon the name. If that's you right now, I want you to slip out. Others will join you here in just a moment. You won't be the only one, I promise. Others will join you here in just a moment. Come on, slip on out. How about it? Come on, how about you? Call upon Him. We want to wait for you. waiting for you. Others are going to come here in just a minute. You're not going to be alone. I want some of my folks, my guys, some of those ladies, Tracy's ladies, begin to make your way on down here. Come on, you just come on and get in the well right now. I want the whole congregation right now to say with me, say, Dear Jesus, I confess to you this day my waywardness, my sins, and I seek your forgiveness. I change my mind about my life, and in repentance, I turn to you, and I agree with you, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that He was raised from the dead and His blood flows towards me, cleansing me, forgiving me. I receive that and according to your promise, I am saved. I am a child of the King. Thank you, Lord, for transforming me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Listen to me now. A call upon the name of the Lord and be healed. Be healed. And be healed. You're needing a healing. Come on, slip out right now. You need a healing. The blood will heal you. For it was by His stripes that we were healed. Come on, lift your voice and say, call upon the name of the blood. Love the blood. And be healed. And be healed. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now.
Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your blood, which you freely gave to each one, would not just cleanse from sin and iniquity, but now would cleanse from sickness and infirmity. Come on. I want you to say, I receive healing, cleansing. Let God cleanse the infection. Let God cleanse the cancer. Let God cleanse the pain. Let God cleanse whatever that infirmity is right now. It's going. It's going. It's going. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, right now. You're making a difference. Our bodies are responding. Come on, just let it cleanse you right now. I left us a little time to tarry. Come on, now you can tarry. You don't have anywhere to go that's so important that you can't tarry for just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Call upon Him. on, don't, don't look at me, press into God right now, press into the Lord. He is your healer, He is your cleanser.
The Lord is here. He always moves where he sees the desperate hearts of his people crying out to him. He doesn't move just because of your need. He moves because he sees your hunger. He moves because he sees your thirstiness. Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you. Yes. We cry out. We cry out to you. We cry out. We cry out. We need you, our God. We need you, our God. Unlock the dead ears, come to your people as we draw near. Hear us from heaven, touch our generations. We are your people, crying out in desperation. Open the blind eyes, unlock the deaf ears, come to your people. Touch this generation. One more time. Open the blind eyes. Unlock the deaf ears. Hear us from heaven. Touch our generation. We are your Just your voices now. Open the blind eyes. Unlock the ears. Come to your people as we draw near. Hear us from heaven. Touch our generation. We are your people. Crying out in desperation. Let's honor the Lord right now. Let's give Him praise and let's bless His name. We honor You, O oh God. Hey, I tell you what let's do right now. Let's honor the sacrifice. Let's honor the blood. Let's honor what He's provided for us. Lord, we give You honor. We give You honor this day. For your great sacrifice and all that you've provided. I believe God's changing, rearranging, transforming. Believe that right now. If there was ever a time in your life, if there was ever a time in your life when you said these words, I don't know that it will be any different than I, 
I want you right now to say in the name of Jesus, I break that curse off me right now. I break that curse off my relationships. I break that curse of my marriage and my household and my children. I break that curse that says it can never be different. I just come in contact with the blood. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ hung on a tree in order that the curse might be broken. He shed His blood to break every curse. Yes, 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 it will be different. Yes, change will begin. Yes, your life will turn around. Yes, God will restore the years. He will recover that which was lost. That which the enemy took, He will give back seven times to you. Yes, 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 it shall be. Thank you, Lord. Our faith is arising this day. <laughs> we believe, we believe that all things are possible. Lord, now I ask as we have to wrap, you're stirring in our ranks, Lord, and you know me, I'd stay here till supper time. <laughs> but Lord, I, I want to be sensitive to your spirit. You know what I think the Lord, in fact, I know he's saying right now, he's, he's creating a hunger in us. Hear me now. You know how you get an appetizer? You know what an appetizer's for? It's to create hunger for the main meal. Sometimes I think we've just filled ourselves up on appetizers. God's giving us the appetizer of his presence. It's not meant to, to absolutely fill you up, period. It's just getting you hungry for the main event. Are you hearing me? This morning is just getting you hungry for the main event. So Lord, we're not going to lose our hunger. We're going to come back hungry. Whether it's in the middle of the week or in the next Lord's Day. We're a hungry, thirsty people. And I believe you'll pour out your spirit on our land. Bless your people, Lord. Help them. Lord, do what your word says it will do. Lord, distinguish yourself in their lives. This week, I pray. Lord, we walk by faith so many times and we're, we're willing, we're willing, we're willing to do that. But oh, how nice it is when you distinguish yourself in those moments in our life by showing yourself to be strong. Lord, I pray that your people might have that type of experience this week where you just because you love them distinguish yourself. And Lord, we honor you. You are king, period. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen and amen. And amen. All right, turn around and hug and love each other and be an encouragement. And one more time, tell nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Amen. You're released. I hope I see you on Wednesday. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.